from HerbMentor.com. This is HerbMentor Radio. You're listening to Herb Mentor Radio on HerbMentor.com. I'm John Gallagher. My guest today is Dina Falcone. Dina is author of Earthly Bodies and Heavenly Hair, Natural and Healthy Personal Care for Every Body, and is founder of Falcon Formulations, a line of herbal skin and hair care products. She is also co-founder of Earthly Extracts Medicinal Tinctures, and Dina is a practicing clinical herbalist and has been very active in herbal education. Dina, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm just so glad that you could uh, join us uh, uh last minute almost like this, right around the holidays, so I'm sure people really appreciate you taking the time today. My so, pleasure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, um, for, I love for the me- the members on Herb Mentor to get to know the, the, the folks I'm interviewing, because uh, your, your journey as an herbalist uh, can, be, can be really inspiring to people and help give direction to people, because everyone learns differently and... and has different mentors and has different situations, and you just never know what you're going to say, you know, that can be like, oh, yeah, you know. Absolutely. So, so, um, so first, like, Dina, tell me how uh, you are involved as an herbalist in your community. My involvement as an herbalist in the community is, I would say, pretty well-rounded. Um, I, I supply people with medicine, so in a sense you could say I'm the local crude pharmacist. Um, I also help people with health issues, so I'm a consultant. If people are interested in learning the plants, I help people on their land or in, in the environs to check out what they have and how they can use them, the plants, and uh, what else. I'm also pretty active in the in the uh, food realm, so I teach a lot about uh, healthy eating and connecting people directly to farmers and so playing a role in that consumer um farmer relationship is pretty important here. What else do I do for the community? I think, you know, I've lived here for about 20 years, and so I'm, I'm, I'm a kind of resource. And if I'm in a shop, somebody will tap my shoulder and ask me a question, or, you know, I'll receive phone calls and stuff like that. So I feel pretty integrated, actually, into the community as an herbalist, as somebody who serves the community uh, with herb questions. And like I said, it could, it could range anywhere mm-hmm. from... You know, could you help me figure out what tree is growing out my front yard? Or, you know, my son has this particular health issue, and I wonder, you know, what you think about it. So um, Now, I know that a lot of people listening are um, who would like to be in, in a position like that, like you are in your community, to be that, that person. Like, I think they, uh-huh. they, 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 a lot of people are they're, they're drawn to want to work with plants to, to help people in, in their communities. And so... Um, how how um, did you were you doing working with herbs since you know young age or did you start using them medicinally or mm-hmm. you're older? Or? I mean, my first um, involvement with alternative healing, holistic healing, was at a very young age, mm-hmm. and um, I'm lucky to have had a mentor when I was 11, 11 years old in New York City, wow. <laughs> um, which is where I was raised. And um, this man named Mickey Carter, he was somebody who. Uh, helped me really to think about how to heal with food, how to use herbs for healing. And so he's really, you know, an amazing initial teacher. And so at 11, I was very kind of committed to this alternative journey. And it kind of grew from there, and I haven't stopped. <laughs> so it's uh, it's an interesting, you know, looking back now, 
through mm-hmm. the, my life and the evolution of who I've become. It's it's kind of it's uh it's kind of a bizarre thing to do, you know, when somebody asks to you know for me to speak about myself, and then I'm like, oh yeah, hmm. it started way back then. So the passion for you know using food as healing and really looking at um, you know that holistic approach to taking care of, of oneself started so young and. He also never used allopathic medicine, so he was always encouraging me, encouraging me to use herbs if I was ever unwell. And so I, I didn't really use pharmaceuticals from that age pretty much. I mean, you know, very, very occasionally. But So I was pretty committed. But I would say that the herbal component really became stronger when I moved to the country when I was in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And then I could meet the plants directly because I was less comfortable with them in the herb stores for some reason. I didn't I didn't know them directly enough and I felt uncomfortable. So I think I was young too and as a young girl going into these herb stores in the village they were a little daunting. Right. <laughs> and so coming coming into the um country uh in my twenties then I, I became much more excited about, oh this is red raspberry leaf. Look, it's everywhere. We can harvest this, we can use it. So I got very excited at that point. Um, about using wild foods and then also how they related to um, therapeutic use. And so how the journey continued from there was I um, I began a formal training. I did an apprenticeship with a woman, Pam Montgomery, in mm-hmm. 1988. And I apprenticed with her. I, I guess I would be her first apprentice. She she taught myself and another good friend of mine that first year, and then I did the second year with her, and then I actually made products. I worked as her wildcrafter and medicine maker of the company at the time, which was called Green Terrestrial. And then from there, I continued um, to pursue training more uh, of a clinic, like a more clinical approach, and went to New York City and did a tutorial with a man named William Lasassier, who who basically was my for you know who's my formal um uh clinical herbalism mm-hmm. you know he's the one who helped me with that aspect and studied with him for a little less than 3 years and um so i would say that those two you know those two pieces with Pam and with William i'd say were a big part of the foundation of the herbalism that i you know that i grew into or the herbalism that i practice or you know what i do of course, a lot of other herbalists have influenced me through my life. Mm-hmm. Um, Rosemary Gladstar, Ryan Drum, and, you know, I never stop learning, and I'm always researching. And so the herbalism part didn't um, eclipse, though, the food part, which continued to be part of my um, learning process throughout time as well, and that was pretty much self-taught, so constantly researching nutrition and, and learning things along those lines. So, yeah. Um, and my interest in food also grew into becoming a CSA farmer in 1991 and then going into, you know, really heavily gardening and growing herbs. And so that combination of, of wanting to learn everything that the environment grows on its own and then the things mm-hmm. that we can cultivate and bringing those worlds into also how we can make food and medicine from them. And that self-sufficiency component has also been really strong throughout my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. So I so I, I what I see here is that um, 
you know, people can, can look at, hey, you know, Dina's written a book and you're a clinical herbalist and helping your community. But what I, I'm hearing from you is that, hey, you know, your, your, your experiences were step by step. You know, you just took one step and, and, and one thing led to another. And, and, your, and your, um, your learning process was probably very different than a lot of other herbalists' learning process. But, the, there, but there were a lot of maybe a lot of similarities, but you just did it as you were inspired and as you were ready, you know. Absolutely, and I think that's part of what being, in my mind, what being an herbalist is, is somebody who's really passionate about um, working with with plants, you know, working with the environment, working with people, and the mystery of it all, because it's not like you ever attain, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you never attain the position that you think you're going for. Once you get to that next place, you realize how much more you need to learn. You know, I've noticed that. (laughs) (laughs) Which is actually the excitement and the beauty of this work is that it's a never-ending, unfolding mystery. Um, But, you know, when I finished my tutorial with William in New York City, I thought, well, you know, after three years, you know, a little less than three years of heavy, intensive tutorial with him, I thought, well, I'd really be ready and I would know. Mm -hmm. And I realized after that that I knew less in some ways. It was like, oh, my God. And, yeah. and he also said, well, all you're doing is you're practicing. Don't forget that. You know, that when you do the work that you're doing, it, you're, you're practicing. And so really the part that I always have to remember, and, and in general I think in life, is that it's from the heart that you're interested in helping and you try, and that's the best you can do. You never attain anything anywhere. You just keep trying. <laughs> you just keep trying. It's 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 very true. Like I, you know, it seems like um every herb conference I go to, any everything I, and class I take, I feel the exact same as I did when I first started. <laughs> <laughs> or or even less. Or even, even less. Talking, I'm I just still like, like, what's uh, yeah. what's a tincture now? <laughs> I mean, you know, there is there is the aspect that you feel that you have so many more tools, and right, that's right, true right. too. That there's a strength in what you what you've gained, and that isn't to be belittled. That's a real thing. But yeah. at the same time, you realize that so many more doors and the horizon is just broadened, and you're just like, you know, whoa. Well, as so uh, Susan Weed says, it takes uh, seven lifetimes to become an herbalist, right? No, <laughs> oh, I guess. <laughs> maybe I don't more know. than maybe more than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. but yeah, that's um, that's that's very true. And the, but the most important thing is just like that every day you wake up and you're inspired to learn a little more or do a little something, and you're just kind of like it's a it's about a lifestyle, right? And about just mm-hmm. infusing it into your life. And it's not really about knowledge you obtain that you have with you know. It's it's really just about the experiences and that you're living. I mean, it's an inter it's it, it's an interweaving of those aspects mm-hmm. because yes, you're co- I'm constantly excited about new knowledge. You mm-hmm. know, meeting a new plant, being able to key it out. That's just exciting for me. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's an actual knowing a concrete kind of knowing and you know I just keyed out that particular twig because it's winter here so that's what I do these days is I go around and I collect tips of trees and I try to figure out who I have Mm -hmm. you know and it's really fun and there's something really satisfying and I feel there is a knowledge that we get you know in doing that and, and working with people when you you do feel that somehow things have gone in a way that you feel knowledgeable mm-hmm. but in in the bigger picture there's the always the unknowing you know that there's always more to learn and there's always more unpredictability and whatever that case study was that you had great success with well that was that individual person you know and so 
each person is, is is its own puzzle, and you know we each have our own journeys to take. So that's kind of also what I'm referring to. It's like, and also each plant. All of a sudden, you feel like yes, you can key it out, but um, what do we use the plant for? And then in in so many more years, you might have learned a totally different use for it, or in, you know the opposite ends of let's say it grows a. a somewhere in the South Pacific, this particular plant, they use it so differently. Mm -hmm. So that's also really exciting. You feel like you knew what this plant was used for, and it doesn't mean you don't know that part, but all of a sudden this other part comes up, and then you have, you know, your world gets rocked a bit, and you're like, I don't really know very much. <laughs> right, right. You know, so, yeah. And in healing, that's a big piece, too, is that the healing, if anyone's called to this profession, there's a level of humility and for me very real the fact that you don't do any of the healing that you know as an herbalist you help people to heal themselves and that is their journey that you have no power over so it's, that's another huge lesson of you know hey i ain't got no control here <laughs> you know? right exactly exactly yeah. that's the same kind of and the type of acupuncture i practice as well it's the same thing it's like i'm just oh. hanging out here and nature's doing the healing and i do what i can and do the best i can in the moment and the best intention and that's all you can do right exactly and uh it, and, and and you hope that you have uh clients or patients that understand that process <laughs> right and then and so, you're not the yeah. hero and you're not the uh you know the fixer the magic pill that you're just doing what you can do you know, and and they're, exactly, they're the heroes and they're the healers, really. Mm -hmm. And we just help to illuminate that path mm -hmm. if we can. Yeah. And that's what I was kind of saying with the interweaving is we take our knowledge and we constantly gather as much of it, of it as we can and we kind of don't stop. Um, and, and then you put it forth to kind of the mystery and let it unfold. And that, you know, is the unknowing. Like, oh, Right. <laughs> it's uh, it's yeah, so it's very important to just get comfortable with the fact that you're never going to know it all and the, and to make that actually the exciting part that's what i do yeah you know, just make i, I love the fact that it's all so huge mm -hmm. <laughs> right and when you can really embrace that you're there <laughs> Well, uh, I don't know about being there, but yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I mean. You, you know what I mean. You're 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 on you're you're in a place where I feel like flow. Then you're in a flow, and that you're you're uh, in a place where you're um, accepting learning, and and that you know, and and that on all on all the in other words that you're that you're comfortable with that and learning every day that it's not about like okay, I've made it to point B, I've got my diploma, and now I know it. You know, I'm at you know. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I you, you wrote this great book, and I have to thank you for sending a copy out to me oh, about a year ago. And uh, But, however, even though a year has gone by since we've talked, um, um, uh, we have – my wife and I have really enjoyed your book. And um, we have been, you know, going through it and trying some things in it. And and um, it is just, like, fantastic um, because I love – I. I love it when I can see a book that's really simple and I see a recipe that has like a couple of ingredients or a few ingredients, you know, mm -hmm. and not like 50 different, you know, blends and things. And, and, and you really just say what's needed in, in here, you know, and, and, and it's a great, not just great things you make, but also um, it's, 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 it's great for anyone wanting to learn, especially wanting to learn um, you know, to make personal care products, uh, you know, external applications, hair products. And um, 
because I noticed that in a lot of my our, our uh, members on on Herb Mentor is they, uh, they they're really interested in that, and uh, so that's why I was just like, okay, I've got to get Dina on here, and so um, <clears throat> so I want to what I did is I uh, we, we 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 got some questions together from members, and uh, and in in a few different areas I kind of sectioned out here, and a, a larger one is I you know because as you saw a lot of people uh, emailed in. Um, um, like body care questions, uh, and you see, like, and so all, all you wrote nice personal notes to Dina and all, and she got those. I, she read all the original questions. Um, and so I also have some questions on, uh, on diet and, and dental care and all too. We'll get to those. So, but of course there was, there were a lot of questions. We can't of course get to everything, but we're going to make a, um, we're going to hopefully make an informative show for everyone here. Um, so, um, so I'm going to start, um, with a, with a hair question. Um, and uh, Becky writes in, um, you know, that she, um, what about da- about dandruff? Um, doesn't respond to rose. What about dandruff that doesn't respond to rosemary rinses, apple cider rinses, or sage rinses? Um, so far, um, so she she wants to know what you know some help that she might uh, use or believe. Yeah. So let's think about that a little. So we have Becky with dandruff, and again, the question would be. Um, you know, who is, is creating the dandruff. So without going into that, you know, but that's kind of, that's how I would approach it. So mm-hmm. you get to know the person and, and what, um, you know, what's triggering the dandruff in their lives, if, you know, that is possible. If you, In this situation, we're going to just talk about um, the hypothetical dandruff situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so things to consider if, uh, the dandruff, if the dandruff is because there's dryness, simple, you know, and so in that case, you wouldn't use apple cider rinses and sages and things like that because those are drying. So if the dandruff, dandruff comes from a dry scalp condition, like a dry skin condition, then you'd want to hydrate, obviously water, um, appropriate fats. Fats are really critical to making sure your skin is healthy and your scalp is nice and, um, you know, non non dandruffy in a sense. Um, the other thing to consider too is what you're doing externally. So if your shampoos, hair treatments, hair colors, things like that are irritating to the scalp, that'll really cause dandruff to kick up as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, other considerations too are even just shampooing. Too much shampooing can cause dandruff. So I'm pretty radical in suggesting that people try to shampoo as little as possible, perhaps not at all for some hair types. They don't mm. need it. So that's another big question. Over-shampooing can cause dandruff. Wow. Um, yep. Very hot water can cause dandruff. Like if somebody loves to stand on, under a really, really hot shower, that alone can make the skin really, really dry, and so you can get dandruff, you know, mm-hmm. flaky skin. Um, chlorine is another thing that can trigger it, you know, so somebody's a swimmer or they live in the city that's got chlorinated water, then, you know, maybe look into some kind of water filter. Um, the other concerns here, like like clients that I've seen who have dandruff, sometimes it has nothing to do with all of that, and it has to do with being allergic to something. So that's another question for Becky, you know, is she having, having an allergic reaction to something like dairy, like a conventionally raised dairy product or wheat or, you know, if there are aggravants that are something that's causing her body to have this, you know, hyper-shedding response. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, that's another 
way to look at it is what's going on internally and if that can be addressed. Um, and then something simple, a simple herbal suggestion, again, without knowing much about Becky, is um, burdock seed tincture can be very helpful for things like dandruff. Sebaceous gland helper, in a way I think of burdock seed as a sebaceous gland helper. So it can be used for dandruff or even for blackheads or acne or, or just things where um, you want to influence the health you know, of the skin when things are kind of congested and you know, building up in a sense, not okay. moving well. Yeah, so I think that might be all for the moment. Okay, well that's great information just in itself about the, and she said yes, it gets worse in the winter, and I think that's probably because like, you know, our heat's on and things are drier in the house. And Yeah, exactly. Um, so Shelly uh, wants to know uh, for a formulation for her lips, um, they, of course they get uh, really dry this time of year, um, mm. and store-bought ones don't help, and, and she might, you know, when she says store-bought, I'm assuming she's buying, not buying chapstick, um, I hope, um. But um, so she's 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 open to a balm or cream as long as it works. So what? Well, anyway, whatever she's doing, what would you like to do for for yeah, moisture? Yeah. So let's think about the lip balm that Shelly might be buying. Um, if it is from the health food store, mm-hmm. you still want to consider the oils that are used in the balm itself. Some oils are considered drying. So I find, let's say, grapeseed oil to be drying on my skin. So a lot of lip balms, if you look in the ingredients, you'll see that. Often they're based on a grapeseed oil, mm-hmm. um, and that would be something you just don't want to use. Another thing, um, so essential oils are drying, and often lip balms are very scent, very highly scented. They have a lot of essential oil content. So those two things alone j- just could keep your lips peeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like get a, a grapeseed-based lip balm with some strongly scented uh, essential oil, and you just have a drying formula on your lips. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about what would be a good alternative. Um, a cold-pressed virgin olive oil. This is a recipe that I like to use. It's three parts, uh, three ounces of cold-pressed organic virgin olive oil, one part or one ounce of beeswax, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's a really <laughs> lovely, luscious lip balm. If you want to get a little fancy, which I like to do, you know, the recipes that I have in the book go from really simple to really complicated because I like all those options. <laughs> right. Um, but so in the lip balm, one of the most therapeutic balms I recommend for damaged lips is the calendula salve, which is basically a calendula infused in the organic olive oil. Mm-hmm. So you would use that instead of the plain olive oil, and then you would harden it with the beeswax. Comfrey is another good choice, too, as an herbal-infused oil. So I hope that's clear. It would be three parts organic cold-pressed virgin olive oil infused with either comfrey root or calendula blossom, and then you would harden that with one ounce of beeswax. And okay. If, the, if this is unfamiliar, the salve um, techniques are given in the books, Earthly mm-hmm. Bodies and Heavenly Hair. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then just to, to throw out another um, option, too, for super healing lip balm, when somebody's really suffering, um, they can try straight-up castor oil on their lips which sounds really kind of disgusting, but mm-hmm. it works really well. So to put it on before you go to bed, and mm-hmm. then you wake up and often your lips are healed. And it's the same with the salve. The calendula salve works wonderfully when you put it on before you fall asleep. Um, but then just to add to um, the possibilities, the super healing lip balm is made with uh, coconut oil, shea butter, jojoba oil. 
again, the calendula olive oil and some castor oil. So that just gives you some more ideas about the, all those oils I just mentioned are incredibly rich and nourishing and therapeutic for damaged skin. So, okay. Yep. okay. There you go. Yep. You know, and my, my own question too is um, – because I never seem to be able to give the right answers, <laughs> is that because different people seem to have different uh, answers to this. Is what type of when you're going to purchase olive oil to to make oils or stuff, what what's your favorite kind of purchase uh, to purchase and why? Because I know there's cold pressed and there's virgin and extra virgin. Yeah, it is a little confusing. Yeah. Um, I tend to get when it. I don't mind if it just says I like it to be organic if I can afford it. I with most most of the products I make, I use an organic olive oil. And then I like the organic cold-pressed or can say organic virgin or organic extra virgin to me. All of those are, or they all sort of mean the same thing. Mm -hmm. Basically, no solvents are being used in the extraction of the oil, and that's what you want. You want a cold-pressed process. So they can call it virgin or extra virgin. You don't really care. You know, as long as the chemicals aren't being used and heat isn't being used, then your oil is in good shape. And that's oh, really okay. Yeah. Oh, that's very good. That clears it up. That's very yeah. practical. I like that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, you know, we have a, a, a case study here from Michelle. And um, earlier this year, she got a second or third degree burn on her leg uh, from a heating pad that she fell asleep on. And um, it was... That's ooh, uh, that was <laughs> healing fine with the salve, um, and then I'm not sure what happened, but somehow it got infected, and she believes twice, and then the sore would just wouldn't heal, tripled in size, um, and she went to the point where she had to go to a dermatologist, and <laughs> and so by the time she um, had to take and it, she, she uh, by that time she had to take antibiotics, uh, um, just short of the infection uh, turning into what is called uh, an ID reaction, uh, which mm-hmm. causes bumps and itching all over the body. That's what she wrote, ID. Um, anyway, um, she slowed down on her herbal infusion. That would be, you know, taking new nettles or rose straw or something. And I was, um, and and uh, and at the time, and was taking the antibiotic and, and sl- slowly made my way back to them, uh, like burdock or straw nettle. Um, uh, however, her skin is not healing very fast, which it normally does. So she's been injected with uh, steroids, including topical mm-hmm. steroid cream um, that she's still advised to use. Are the infusions hurting more than helping, and what can I do to fully heal her skin and immune system, not to mention mm-hmm. flushing out the antibiotic? I know that's a lot there, but I, I really like this All question. Because right. right, <laughs> so, this is a very practical situation, you know? Like, you know. Yeah. So just right off the bat, um, when you get a burn, it's pretty important to treat it properly. And I don't know, you know, if she was cleaning the the burn properly. It sounds like it got infected because she could use some nice antiseptic herbals, like Mm -hmm. some washes to clean the area before you would put a salve on. The the salve is not an antiseptic usually, unless Mm -hmm. it's got a lot of essential oil in it. So it, it can create a breeding ground for infection. So the first thing is, in the you know before just to consider how you clean a burn and that's pretty important. So you want to make sure you're disinfecting it before you're salving it. And right. so salve is there to heal the skin, but not to clean the wound. Um, back so to where we are with her now, and the question would be, so why isn't she healing, and what's going on? Brings me to think about skin rejuvenative foods. You know, what can she do to help her um, body produce skin, basically, so it can repair itself and to and to support the immune system. Um, the things that do that are uh, proteins and fats. 
so those are the things in the diet she would want to emphasize, things like really clean, free-range, free grass-fed animal products. That would be eggs, you know, meats, red meats, fish would be excellent. Um, if the meats are eaten, they're eaten, eaten with the skin and the fat on them. Um, the eggs are whole eggs, uh, really good biodynamic, full-fat yogurt if she's not dairy intolerant. Um, so we're looking at the nutrients that make that help her body um, produce more um, skin, you know, really obvious basic things that we sort of forget. Um, vitamin E-rich foods are really critical here too, so that would include things like the sunflower seeds, the almonds. Of course, they should be soaked, but we won't go there now. But avocado, um, you know, and collagen is really critical here, and minerals, so we go to the bone broth. Um, where you're making a really good primitive-style bone stock mm-hmm. with different bones from either fish or poultry or red meats or, you know, whatever wild game you have. Um, that's really important here. So, And also that you would include the things that are uh, skin-like in it. <laughs> so it sounds really basic, but the skin helps you build the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, cod liver oil is a really important supplement, and you'll hear me say that a lot. That... Um, supports the skin, vitamin A. It's preformed. It's not beta carotene. It's a pre-made vitamin A, so we can use it right away. So she would need a good amount of vitamin A right now. Vitamin D is needed along with that. That's in the cod liver oil. I would say her dosage would be maybe 5,000 IU of A and 500 IU of D. That's the appropriate ratio, and that would be in a cod liver oil. That's a good quality one. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, lots of veggies are always useful, all different shapes and colors. And um, seaweed can be really helpful here. If her metabolism is is sort of thrown off by this infection or somehow she's just, you know, the medications slow everything down. So making sure she's getting a good good amount of seaweed can be really um, helpful for kicking the thyroid up a little bit, giving some iodine and just lifting Mm -hmm. the metabolism up. And, of course, adding minerals to the diet, too. So yeah, so, so I, her, her burdock, ostraw, and nettle is what she wants to be taking this year, yeah. infusion. Yeah, but, I would get to the herbs at the end, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I so she, she was holding yeah. off on that, thinking that might, but the thing is, these are food packed with vitamins and minerals and not exactly. and not something, but, like, that's some kind of, you know, medicine that's count, is conflicting with your steroids, you know. No, not at all. But in order to utilize the minerals that are in those herbs, she needs to have her fats. So they're the catalysts. There's the, those are the keys that open the doors for her body to use those minerals and the proteins mm-hmm. to build the skin. So the herbs themselves are so important, but they're in the matrix of everything else that's going on. They're in the context of everything. And also other herbs that I would recommend for her would be something along the lines of calendula flower internally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the dandelion root internally, milk thistle. Again, helping the liver, support liver function so she can uh, let her body do the things that it needs to do. The liver is responsible for detox, as you know, and just so mm-hmm. many different functions. Um, so, yeah, her brew is nice, and I would just add more to it. But don't forget about the food, which would which is the part that's going to help her body actually do the work, mm-hmm. you know, to, of building tissue. If she's eating a very carb-rich menu, like all she's got is fuel running around, but she doesn't have the building blocks to make the things happen. So, and one other simple thing, too, is the gut flora issue when she's been on the antibiotics, you know, as mm. we 
you know, we've got some good stuff with the probiotic foods that we want to bring on. So that's the live yogurt cultured foods and, you know, the live sauerkraut. Beet kvass would be very appropriate here. It's a good liver toner as well as a gut flora enhancer. So, mm-hmm. um, And that, by you know, the way, is in the Nourishing Traditions book. And also check the Maria Atwood interview that we did on Herb Mentor Radio. She talks all about beet kvass there. Excellent, exactly. Um, and um, and she's got that video she did too, uh, Maria. Um, and uh, something I want to you mentioned bone broth. Like we like to stir a little miso in the bone broth, and there's another life. Absolutely, absolutely. I have, I have miso fish stock is a great choice for when people are skin healing. Yep. Um, with that, you could add your seaweed too. You know, you could have your nice little one to two teaspoons. You don't need a lot of seaweed. You just need to make sure you have it every day when you're healing like that. And, you know, maybe even more than two teaspoons when you're in, you know, when you're down and out in a sense, what she's going through. Her body is not recovering. So she needs that lift. She needs a little more juice. Um, So, yeah, I think that might cover it for now for Michelle. But, you know, and I really like what you're saying overall here because you're saying that, yes, you know, you've got these – Use the book with the various skin recipes and things, uh, but that's part of the picture, huh? That's just mm. it's it's the diet. It's the it's a lot more than just just uh, putting some herbs on your skin. <laughs> yeah, I mean the herbs that she needs, you know, to keep that infection from spreading would be things that she used topically. Like, but she's got medications she's using now, so she wasn't asking about that. Right. Right. You know, so that's where we didn't step there. And um, in the future, go. and in the future, uh, um, with burns, um, like yeah, just remember, yeah, you don't want to trap that in. You want to uh, compress, even just some a warm, right? Soaking a warm cloth with a little lavender essential oil in it or something could be. Yeah, the lavender is a great choice because not only does it help heal um, burns, but it's a very good antiseptic. Mm-hmm. So when you have raw tissue like a burn, you want to make sure you're keeping it from getting infected while you're encouraging healing, not mm-hmm. just the soothing salve part of it. Especially a second to third degree burn. I mean, it's one okay. thing to get a little external kitchen, right. quick kitchen burn, but, you know. Right. So you want to take the heat out of a burn by applying a, a cool pack on it, like mm-hmm. I keep frozen things in the freezer, and then you pull them out and you put them on the, on the burn, actually take the heat out and, and keep the burn from going deeper. It's like you're pulling it out, and then once you've cooled it down enough, then you apply these antimicrobial antimicrobial preparations. I particularly like diluted tinctures like with calendula, golden seal, echinacea, yarrow. Those are your good wound herbs mm-hmm. and more. You know, those are just the quick ones that come to mind. And you would dilute the tincture. Oh, St. John's wort. That's mm. a great burn topical, even though um, internally it makes you susceptible to sunburn, but externally it's really good. And so you would dilute it usually one-to-one, a good tincture, part um, half water, half tincture, or slightly less tincture if it's burning, but you check the skin, you would constantly bathe the area with something like that. So no infection is going to kick in there. Okay. And then once that's clear, then you start putting the salve on. But that might be a couple days later. All right. So, All right. yeah. So um, so then, thank you. That's that's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, and if, you know, and people can, if you were curious about burns or first aid and that kind of stuff, you can, we can take it to the forum on Herb Mentor as well if you have more questions about that. Um, so, um, 
So Jane has, uh, well, actually Jane and Joy, and if you actually a couple other people wrote into about eczema, so I got to talk about this. But Joy has a descriptive one where she says uh, her 15-year-old daughter suffers from eczema on her legs just above her ankles. She's tried many topical treatments, and nothing seems to work for long. Are there any good herbal remedies for this? Um, I know my daughter would appreciate it, so I, I know this is yet another one where you're looking at the internal, right? I mean, Yeah, well, you want to know what's up with her 15-year-old. Yeah, you know, exactly, exactly. How long has she had the eczema and, you know, the context to which the eczema exists. Mm-hmm. But without that, I mean, it's okay. She's 15, so she's probably stressed out like nobody's business, you know. She's probably, uh, you know, an angst-out teenager. So oftentimes eczema is um, exhibits itself when someone's really stressed out. It's like an, it's an inflammatory response. You know, things are on fire. So what's on fire in this 15-year-old's life? Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you want to ask those questions. Um, but we can also think about simple things like what is the soap, the, the soap that she's using? Again, that question of are we destroying the skin by overwashing it? You know, so mm-hmm. I would, re- you know, really encourage no soap. And I And I work a lot with eczema people, and I do the no soap, no soap, and it helps a lot. You know, it doesn't always heal the eczema, but it can reduce a lot of the discomfort from it. So the no soap and, again, the very, very hot water, which will make the eczema much more um, irritated. What kind of creams, if she's using any, what kind of skin products is she using? Mm -hmm. Again, is she having allergic reaction to what's in them? Um, And then something really simple, too, is the detergents that people use to wash their clothes. Sometimes that causes allergic reactions, so clean that act up a bit too. See what's going on. Um, soothing topicals, what can she do to help her daughter just find more comfort and sometimes also eliminate it? I can't always say that, though. Eczema, again, is like we said, it often is internal, but the soothing topicals, calendula, again, comes up. The calendula salve can be really helpful. Shea butter is another um, mm. good oil. Skin Revival is a product that, um, in earthly bodies, it's it's a complicated cream recipe, but it seems to help people with, with eczema sometimes really, you know, really nicely. And it has calendula in it, shea butter, coconut oil, jojoba oil. It's a very rich, nourishing cream. Um, again, with her daughter, is she skin deficient? Do we have um, nutrient deficiencies that are causing her skin to have this, this condition, you know, is that what's happening? Maybe. And again, the cod liver oil, why not put that in? That's another good anti-inflammatory. So the omega-3s, which again are pre-made there, can help her with reducing the inflammation on her skin. Okay. You know, as, yeah. Uh, let me just see. And, and also, cotton, you know, yeah. is how much, you know, sugar, how much is there exactly. coffee? I, mean, I, I know me personally, if, if I have a little flare up in the back of my arm, sometimes I do in, in the dry times and eczema, you know, especially when I, I know it's more when it, when, when it's a stressful time, like now in the holidays, there's a little, to be honest with you, there's a little tiny bit in the back of my arm, and I, yeah. but, but I know that if I don't have a cup of coffee in the morning, that it goes away. Go. I know that, 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 right. that, that it helps. Like, you know, there are things, even though there's stress, there are things you can do to help, you know, so I don't Yeah, know. and then, and the nervine, so we can talk a little about the herbs. Maybe a nice nervine tea for her daughter would be helpful. Lemon balm, chamomile, mm-hmm. oat straw. You know, nice nourishing nervines to help her nervous system. Again, like you just said, sugars and out and the opposite of sugar are the things that help stabilize 
you know, so what would those be again? The nutrient-dense diets, the nutritious foods help hold her body, you know, so it can handle the stressors that come. Adrenal support, you know, meditation, deep sleep, good rest. Um, the adaptogens are really useful here. Oftentimes you can use herbs like Eleutherococcus centicosis or mm-hmm. Codonopsis, Organoderma, um, you know. So here, you know, lots of options for her daughter to try. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and you know, and if the fifteen-year-old has trouble with uh, cutting out the sugar, it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, what do you what do you, what do you want? I mean, I mean, I was, you know, if I I have a Starbucks down the street and go over there sometimes, it's the social <laughs> it's the social place to go. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I am in Seattle after all, and I go down there, and there's plenty of fifteen-year-olds and under in line getting lattes. So I know they're you're drinking a lot of coffee. And if you think about the coffee sugar, that's exactly what they do is they cause kind of this heat in the body. Mm. They cause adrenal nervous heat, and that can come out on the skin, you know. So, But at the same time, you can do the other things we were referring to to help somewhat. So it's not like a all or nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. You can play around with adding things to the diet if you still don't want to give up your vice and still being helped <laughs> to some degree, you know. So I like to think of it in many many stages yes yes yeah. that's that's really helpful that's good because this is exactly what we like to help people again like or mentor they get towards a lot of people come on saying thinking that all right i want to know what herbal you know what herb pill i can take to take care of this situation and often they think that's the response they're going to get and um but what we do is is hopefully those who engage is really you know get they they brings them through a process and and, and, and yeah. this is so wonderful i love what you're sharing um and um, there were a few questions about hair loss, but what was interesting is people were wondering about hair loss in women. Mm. And um, um, so do you have any um, suggestions? Um, let's see. Uh, you know, curious about formulations to help with thinning in middle-aged women. Um, this person doesn't have any thyroid problems that she's aware of and doesn't do estrogen therapy for menopause. Um, so that gives you a little background there about her yeah. case. Uh, this person's, um, and right. so she, she, it's a, but she says her hair is about half the density it was when she was young. So right. she, any ideas? So hair loss can often come from, again, a certain amount of nutrient deficiencies. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes there's a genetic component to hair loss and then sometimes trauma or stress. If someone goes through a traumatic experience, they can shed a lot of hair. Um, nutrients that we need for hair health, again, bring us to protein. So making sure there's enough protein with fat to create hair, you know, and, and that's a maybe 50 to 80 grams a day, just, you know, ballpark figure I'm throwing out. But that's more protein than a lot of people realize. Um, you know, and again, the minerals, so your hair is made of the minerals and the proteins, and the minerals are found, again, in, you know, bones, seaweeds, grass-fed dairy, um, you know, in, in whole foods, but primary bone uh, sources are the, uh, I mean, mineral sources are the bones and the seaweeds um, and the dairy. What else? She could use a nice herb mixture. She could try this. Uh, nettle, mm-hmm. burdock root, oat straw, bladderwrack, which is a seaweed, mm-hmm. horsetail, a little bit of rosemary. Um, equal parts. If she, no, horsetail she should do maybe a half part or a quarter part. But that's a real traditional hair and skin formula, so like nice, healthy hair and skin. Um, and mm-hmm. 
hair loss often, too, you want to look at what they're doing. What are they using? Are they over-shampooing? What kind of shampoo? So, again, that same thing I said before is reduce the shampooing, like, to nil if possible. <laughs> do, do you do, like, um, like phone, like, consultations that people can pay you for as well? I mean, like, you know, I'm just wondering with all a lot of people might want to go more personal with some of this stuff. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, to be honest, I work within this community and mm-hmm. I work with, with people face-to-face because I, mm-hmm. I can see a lot in, in, in the person when they come to see me. And right. that's how I can figure out, we can share then what they need, you know. Mm-hmm. In a situation on the phone, it's much less um, clear to me, but I'm open to it, you know. It's something I'm open to. Um, one thing to suggest for the hair loss where the other woman didn't find helpful for her dandruff, but the rosemary olive hair oil mm-hmm. can be very helpful for hair mm. loss. Mm. Um, and then the adaptogens to, you know, the herbs again that we were talking about before, the nervines and the adaptogens, things to anchor the adrenals and soothe the nerves, um, which in that uh, herb mix I just mentioned, the oats would, f- would fulfill that role there. Um, but then if somebody was really stressed out, you'd bring in some other the herbs like Eleutherococcus. You might throw in chamomile, you know, lemon balm, soothe, more soothing, calming herbs. The B-complex foods, by the way. Let's not forget those. If we're talking about stress and hair loss, we want to make sure that the B-complex foods are covered. And that's, again, not the favorite food of America these days, but the organs are probably the highest in the B-complex. And then the raw cultured dairy, like a kefir, a real kefir. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whole grains are nice too, but they're not at all as rich as the other two food categories. So the B complex could be helpful in hair loss. And you um, could get organic liver at a co-op, and uh, you can listen to uh, Maria's uh, thing about about the kefir or kefir, as you say. Anyone hears yeah. a, a siren in this uh, <laughs> broadcast going in the background? I don't uh, hear it. Oh, you don't no. hear it in yours. Every no. every there's a flood warning every, at, at at Wednesday every twelve noon every Wednesday in my town <laughs> oh. <laughs> because there's a dam up the river and so they have this like thing and so it's, it feels like you're in a war zone every noon at <laughs> Wednesday. It's like it goes, <laughs> sirens go off. <laughs> yeah. One um, last thought. One last thought about the hair loss question too is as we age, we do lose hair. And that is a natural thing. It doesn't mean that we have to lose as much and that there's not a lot we can do. Mm -hmm. But if you are genetically predisposed, then, you know, it's another thing to embrace that in a gentle way and not beat yourself up. It's what it Mm -hmm. is, you know. In some cases, that's what happens. So that's just another thought. Oh, that's that's excellent. So um, I'm wondering, um, you know, because there's so many people wanting to know, some recipe questions, and especially about shampoo, shampoo bars, and things of the sort. You yeah. you cut co- you cut co- you cover these things in the book, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there there's a lot in here. <laughs> there's a lot yeah. in here. So there's a whole section on how to make all your own shampoo. Yeah, in the book. and that's yeah. probably a little you know more than we have time to get into here. But I just want to at least point people who ask those questions in that direction. Um, and, and there was somebody who wrote in um, who owns your book and. And has a specific question. Um, as and uh, let's see, on page one thirty four, she's referring to. Did you check this one out? What she was? Tell uh, me the question. Um, was uh, is there an oil replacement, perhaps a gel type ingredient that can be substituted in cream lotion formulations? I don't like the oily feeling. Ah, I don't like the yeah, oily yeah. feeling most homemade preparations leave on her skin due to the oil content. Maybe it's the kind of oil she's using. Um. 
So it's a good question that she asks. And some people's skin types don't digest oil, which mm. is interesting. It's like they put it on and it doesn't go away. And for those people, it just doesn't work. Um, but just to suggest um, this lady may be applying much too much of whatever it is that she made, because sometimes when I see people put cream on, I'm shocked. They just put on way too much. A dab will do you. So that's the other thing is just to consider the amount that she's putting on as well. But if, in fact, she has the skin type that's just not digesting the oils and they're just sitting and they don't, they don't get absorbed, then these oil bases are not for her. And, um, and it's not something I have an answer for. I've had this question come up before. Mm -hmm. You know, can we make some kind of a cream that doesn't have oil in it? Mm -hmm. And uh, if she finds out about how to do that, she should let me know. Okay. okay. <laughs> and in the uh, in that woodland aftershave on the page, that's what she's meaning on the one page one thirty four. That that bay. Uh, oh. That bay essential oil. Does she mean you mean mm -hmm. Greek bay laurel, uh, Loris nobilis, or bay yes. spice? Oh, you mean it, okay. The Loris nobilis. And if anyone ever has questions about the plants that are being used in the book, they can go to the ingredients section, ah. and there all the all the plants are given in their Latin names, so you don't have to have any. My confusion. goodness, he thought of everything. <laughs> yeah, well, it's something that I care for, too, when I'm doing research. I want to know exactly which plant. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's there along with a brief, brief description of the plant, you know, what, what to use it for. <laughs> so, yeah, it's Lord's Nobility. Uh, Gabrielle wants to know if, uh, if you're going to write another book. <laughs> I probably will, but I don't know yet. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Good, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so that was a lot of, a lot of questions on um on, on, that was great. Thank you so much for that. The questions and and there's some, there's a few more here and some a couple different topics with the time we have left here and and um, and onto uh, in dental care um, and there were people who who like a few a couple people asked questions and then I had like you know I, I didn't send those to you but there were people like second that third that fourth that that kind of thing you know and because okay. um, I uh, people were asking questions on a forum con so people could read other people's questions they submitted so you know we didn't get a lot of doubling. Um, so, um, you know, she would love to hear about dental care, uh, specific, this is M and M's, uh, been around a while on the, on the forum and she, she's great and contributes a lot. And, and she, uh, she wants to know about dental care and, uh, special, uh, specifically foods and herbs that, that keep the uh, teeth strong and healthy. Yeah. So that's a real focus of mine. It's been for years, really important. Um, and I do want to suggest that she goes to... Dr. Price, Dr. Mm -hmm. Weston A. Price's book, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration, mm -hmm. which is um, all about uh, dental health and what causes decay and how to prevent it um, based on the primitive wisdom of mm -hmm. the people that he was researching. So it's an incredibly influential book. It has been in my life. Um, and just quick, quick comments on that. Big issues, again, the teeth are made of minerals and proteins critical, making sure the body has those and the fat-soluble activators to allow the minerals and proteins into the body. Those, again, are grass-fed animal fats, olive oil, um, insects, you know, like worms. I mean, there's all kinds of... Hmm. What's familiar to us, though, is the grass-fed animal fats and the fish oils, the liver oil. And these have what are called activators that um, are critical for allowing the body to mineralize itself and to create healthy teeth, so very important. The mineral content of the, you know, of the diet is really important too, right? So we want to make sure we're getting all the right minerals. Again, with whole foods, a good 
um, nutrient-dense whole food program. Um, that would include, you know, as I said before, the good primitive bone broth stocks, um, uh, the good grass-fed dairy, seaweeds, greens. Um, and then another interesting thing for dental care, to prevent a large, well, obviously sugar. You don't want to eat a lot of sugar. So, um, and that's even the, the sugars that we like, which are maple syrup and the, you know, unrefined whole food sugars. Too much of those aren't good for our teeth either. And then too much carb can be a problem sometimes because you're throwing off blood sugar stability and that causes things to go awry in the body. Grains, legumes, things like that that aren't properly soaked, that aren't properly prepared can escort minerals out of the body so they detract from dental health mm -hmm. if they're not prepared properly, like the phytates. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been hearing a lot about that. They take zinc and calcium out of the body. So dental health is, is uh, you know, really needs soaking and sprouting of our grain foods. And what else can we say about that? The detractors, again, coffee, caffeine, uh, you know, sugar, all the things we like. <laughs> no. right, 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 right. Um, herbs to nourish the deep kidney adrenal perhaps would be useful here. Um, and there's... You know, that brings us into what are adrenal anchors, adrenal tonics. A, a cotinopsis is really useful here. The seaweeds, again, come back in. Um, other mineral-rich herbs that are traditionally used in formulas for teeth are oat straw and horsetail. Um, and if somebody's interested in, let's say, toning and cleaning and fighting bacteria, um, with a kind of with a wash, like an herbal wash, mm -hmm. you can make something really simply with. And I'm going to throw out a formula that um, we make, Earthly Extracts. It's an herbal mouth rinse, and I'm just going to say it. I know it's not going to, you know, anyway, it's not going to be easy to write it down. But I'm just giving you the flavor. But of they, what it's the people can rewind on the recording. They can download the MP3 okay. and they can rewind. Okay, great. So it's <laughs> one tablespoon of echinacea root. Tincture, okay, let me just say all of these are tinctures that I'm going to say, and it's one tablespoon of echinacea root, one tablespoon of calendula blossom, one tablespoon of St. John's wort herb, one tablespoon of sage leaf, one tablespoon of licorice root, one teaspoon of myrrh, two teaspoons of golden seal root, one tablespoon of horsetail. So those are your tinctures, and you're mixing them, and you're adding to them two ounces of vegetable glycerin, 10 ounces of distilled water, and that's your liquid. To that, you're then going to add, again, essential oils, 12 drops of tea tree oil, and 60 drops of either fennel or spearmint, and that's depending on what, you, what your flavor, what you prefer. That's a really nice rinse. Mm. So you can use that you know, to, to help with gingivitis, irritated gums, reduce bacteria in the mouth. Um, but, again, for dental health, that's only the topical part. You know, as you heard mm -hmm. me speak, much emphasis was placed on what goes on internally. And so, that's you know. because when you think about it, I mean, it's a – Obviously, our teeth are mineral rich, <laughs> and uh, if we're if we're not if we're eating processed foods and foods that deplete our minerals, and there's stress in our life, and we're not eating mineral rich foods to replace that, then of course the body's going to go, hey, where can I get this uh, these exactly. minerals from? And I'm, oh, the teeth's available. Exactly. You know, yep. and 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 it's going to go there. So that it's not about. Um, you know, and it's not necessarily, you say it's not just about what we're topically using. I think that's really the theme here, it seems to be, in our talk today. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's really good. That's really important. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see. Uh, you have an opinion on xylitol in gums and toothpastes? I don't have a very strong opinion, meaning I don't know much about it. I Me neither. <laughs> don't like it i don't use it i don't relate to it so yeah okay. i don't understand it <laughs> and and i'm going to refer folks too to uh, village herbalist on herb mentor there's a whole lesson where heather goes into all kinds of recipes and and things about various dental and teeth uh, care okay uh, just just so you know those who uh, might want to learn more who didn't know about that resource yeah. um so um Trish here, uh, this is a good question. This is kind of moving on to our last topic here in um, in diet. And uh, she's an ovo-vegetarian. So that means she, vegetarian eats eggs? Yeah. yeah. She reads, she's farm-raised eggs. Uh, um, uh, keep me from, uh, she does that from time to time. She's been a seriously unhealthy omnivore and an unhealthy vegan mm. and, uh, and since has learned to clean up her act and eat uh, in parentheses, cook, drink healthy. I have checked my blood for bugs, bug debris from time to time. I know. And, and <laughs> excessive <laughs> protein, like what, like ants? No, uh, and no, I know what you And excessive proteins, usually from excess gluten. I am interested in eating the quote-unquote weeds, and if there are daily regiments that are well-balanced, what would they be? Um, I'm ready to try this aspect of herbalism. I know from my experience the overall health of hair, skin, nails, organs, etc. are linked to what we consume. It's good. Uh, and so if we're... Uh, um, so if anything goes awry, that is my first stop. Let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food before I even start medicating with herbs. So I am looking forward to uh, this, and so uh, so it seems like she is um, kind of uh, starting out here, and kind of is wondering. Uh, you know where to take it. I'm going to let you take it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, she's saying a lot of different things. Yes. I'm going to respond to just saying I had been a vegetarian for a very long time, and being a vegetarian, I'm glad she's ovo, so at least she's getting some good egg activity there. Mm-hmm. But it requires vigilance. So to do it right, you really have to do proper prep of grains, beans, seeds, you know, the whole thing. So, um, but that aside, she's not asking about that. But that's just, you know, something that I felt compelled to say is you have to be really vigilant as a vegetarian to stay healthy. Um, and then the weeds that she's asking about to put into her diet as a regimen for something that she could use on a daily basis. See, this is where... Again, Trish, I don't know where you live, so I wouldn't know how to address what food, you know, what wild foods you would have there. But just off the top of my head, most people can find and um, would benefit from dandelion greens, violet flowers and leaves, uh, young nettle, chickweed greens, mallow leaves, burdock roots. Um, those are just some of the most common uh, and very nutritious and somewhat tasty weeds that most of us can find. So, you know, without knowing more exactly about how to address Trisha's specific circumstances, um, those would be nice things to include in the diet that mm-hmm. you could probably find not too hard. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know if that would be What about, fire. I mean, we, we stress, we have a whole section on Herb Mentor on the left column. You click on it with a video and an e-book that, and it's, it's in the most important and, you know, front and center place on Herb Mentor, and that's all on the nourishing infusions. You know, it's all on you, all the herbs you just said. 
So yeah. as a routine. I, I would yeah. say to eat them, yeah, and to eat them too. Like infusions are one thing, mm-hmm. um, but actually to make them into foods is another, and that's also right. really important um, so that they're not being used uh, as an infusion only. Infusions have certain benefits, but they're not the same as eating the plant. You she, know? She's in Missouri, so... Um, this time of year, a little tougher um, to go yeah, out and get she... the dandelion leaf, but when when she can. Uh, but it, you know, if she if maybe I don't know about where she lives in Missouri, but at least in my local health food store, I can buy burdock root any time. Exactly. But I know so Missouri is a little right. different than Seattle, so. You know, yeah. Now she know. right now she's well now she's going to be dependent on whatever's been put aside for mm-hmm. winter. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the feeling of her question was, what can she go out there and grab and eat? You know. And probably not too much right now. She could go grab a deer. <laughs> but for now, until those start coming up, and please use the forum to ask as you're going along when things start popping up in the spring. But for now, the the nourishing infusions is a great way to go because you can just order organic herbs and and uh, and make infusions, and that's one way you can do it. And you can also take the right the dry burdock root and the seaweeds and the, all the things in Susan Weeds healing wise, you know, and you, mm. you know the dand- or dandelion root, burdock root, seaweed. You can throw these into your soups and stews right now. I mean, you can absolutely a little Ganoderma mushroom wouldn't hurt. Never done. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what other question do we have? So let's see. Um, all right. Oh, you know, yeah, this is a good one. I would like some resources for bread making using sprouted grains that don't include white flour in the recipe that to me seems to defeat the purpose of sprouted grains. And my mm-hmm. wife makes sourdough bread with, you know, grain she grinds with the sourdough culture, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a bread baker, yeah. so that's another question mm. I could just suggest nourishing traditions for. Mm-hmm. She could check it out. I think there's an Essene bread recipe based on sprouted grains mm-hmm. in Sally's cookbook. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so I'm not going to say more about that. It's not really my focus. I don't do bread baking. Mm-hmm. But she definitely doesn't need to make bread with white flour. Right, right, right. Definitely not, yeah. right. no. Um, let's see here. And again, yeah, there's a lot of questions I keep getting into the shampoo recipe and shampoo bars and conditioners. I'll just keep going back to the, referring to the, to the book on that one, because there's a lot there. Um, yeah, that's um, a great, yeah, great recipes in the book. So, yeah. um, one last question, I guess, in the diet area was, um, could you know, suggest some herbs and dietary ideas for type two diabetes? Our partner's diabetic eats omnivorous whole foods diet with very little sugar intake and takes burdock root and alpha uh, lipoic acid. Okay. So So this is a really good question because type 2 diabetes is on the rise like nobody's business. And it's a a real um, concern. And I I do feel that it, it can be really simple to prevent, less simple once you have it to keep Mm -hmm. it under control, but still still something that can definitely be helped with with food diet in particular herbs some but and this is where we're talking about macronutrients and how you balance them so we're talking about the fat the protein and the carb Mm -hmm. intake in the diet and how they enter the bloodstream so that's a balancing act that needs to be you know really um looked at so that um the blood sugar levels are kept in a nice, constant, steady um, way so that they're, 
basically the insulin is not being called into the, you know, it keeps everything by eating properly. You can keep things in check. What do I mean by eating properly? I mean, that's a huge question. Again, it depends on, on this, this person with the condition, but I highly recommend a book called The Schwartzbein Principle. Schwartzbein Principle. And that um, book really mm-hmm. details how to, once you have type two, 2 diabetes, to keep it under control and to really how to avoid getting it. Um, simple, simple suggestions are, let's see, inc- again, we go back to that increasing the fat and protein, which most of us don't want to eat much of anymore for some reason, but and reducing the carb intake. Um, I'll throw out the simple grams, which come to mind, where each meal you want to make sure you're, you're not taking in more than 15 grams of carb. That is if you're a type 2 diabetic. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty low carb intake, but you're increasing your fat and your protein. And then you're going to have snacks as well, which have 7 or 8 grams of carb. So you're never eating carbs alone. You're always eating them with fat and with protein. That they, the fat actually is the most, mo, uh, what would you say, uh, modulating, uh, the thing that moderates right. the blood sugar. So it's the fat that you really want. You want to make sure you have your protein in there. And then the carb is also really important, but you want to make sure there's not too much. Right. Um, and you need your meals on a steady, regular basis. So this is where your food is really your medicine. And each time you put something in your mouth, um, you're addressing that blood sugar stability question and, and balancing, you know. And, and so this is largely based on the Schwartzbein principle, this carb, you know, detail I just shared. And that's but, Schwartz, yeah. uh, S-W-A-R-T-Z. It's S, C as in cat, uh-huh. H as in Harry, W-A-R-Z as in zoo, B as in boy, E, I and then N as in Nancy. Okay. Um, I'm, you know, the book Just doesn't. Nec- that. <laughs> yeah, the book doesn't necessarily um, go with the whole food approach that you know, and the clean food part that I would emphasize. But she's really good about balancing blood sugar, and when you're dealing with type two diabetes, that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's a steady supply of nutrients throughout the day, and this very. Um, well-crafted way, the carb being the thing you have to well-craft, the protein and the fat is actually, uh, you know, really easy to play with. You can have as much as you want in a way, so that's not the issue. Mm -hmm. Um, Some other thoughts on that is uh, to open um, the body to bringing down the blood sugar. Exercise plays a huge part. Mm -hmm. So moving the body and increasing muscle mass, the muscles help the body take down the blood sugar reduce the insulin, um, you know, the high insulin in the bloodstream. So exercise half hour, twice a day. And this is something I talk with clients all the time about many things. But um, so it helps stabilize blood, the blood sugar by moving the body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, obvious. But um, And then I'll throw out two herbs, three herbs, maybe more, let's see, that are uh, folk remedy related to balancing blood sugar, um, Devil's Club being one, mm-hmm. Aplopanax horridus is its Latin name, mm-hmm. Devil's Club. Um, interestingly enough, bean pods have come up a lot too. They help stabilize blood sugar. So that I would suggest. Why not that, bean pods? You know? Yeah, I, w- I always suggest the Devil's Club. Devil's Club is a native plant around me, and I rarely, if ever, want to pick it just because it's kind yeah. of one of on those 
I, I would endangered. S- yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah I, I don't feel good about like you know even picking it myself. <laughs> right, and so that's another question, right? If you want to pick it, and if it's endangered, blueberry leaf is not too endangered, and that's another one yes. that helps with bringing down blood sugar right. and stabilizing it. Um, so I feel really strongly about you know counseling people with type 2 diabetic thing and this person who's talking about being omnivorous that's not good enough omnivorous means you can eat everything but the 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 image you want to come back to is that you want to focus on the foods really that are that were prehistory foods so that would reduce our carb foods pretty strongly not entirely at all but just much less and we would increase our fat and protein Mm. foods um and and then the movement that we always did as, you know, non-sedentary people in the past. So those were the things, you know, and it's pretty basic and and not so complicated. It sounds awful, <laughs> but it isn't. I mean, other thing to consider is no caffeine, um, no stimulants. Uh, again, you want to really tap into healing the adrenals, you know, the whole, the whole uh, hormone balance story, and then liver support, mm-hmm. you know, because the liver is, is – you is uh, called into action when you're always trying to restore blood sugar. The homeostasis of our body is so dependent on, on liver health. So bring in the liver support, bring in the alternatives, the herbs that help the body to alter itself in a sense to a state of health. And those, again, we talked about. What herbs are those? Dandelion, root, burdock, root, milk thistle seed, artichoke leaf. Those are the ones that come to mind right now. Um, yeah, so... I definitely hope that this person who wrote in can, you know, for, further educate themselves on this. It's de- there's definitely good possibilities for them to improve their health. Wow. So. Thank, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing all that. That was a lot. <laughs> that's a great place. That's enough places. So you're 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 in you're in Ith, you're in Ithaca area, right? Or I'm in the Hudson Valley. Hudson Valley. Okay. I'm okay. in between Kingston and New Paltz and Woodstock, New York. Oh, okay. Wow. There's a lot of great herbalists in New York State. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no shortage of great herbalists and teachers. And thanks to all the HerbMentor.com members for asking such great questions. Those are great, huh? <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, uh, you feel free to take uh, to the forums, folks. There, if you uh, listen in and, and get your question, or or you will have something else that comes up. Um, so, Dina, uh, where can where do, where do you like people if they want to purchase your book? Where do you recommend they get it? Because I like to ask. You know, do, 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 does it matter? Just go get it on Amazon, or do you have someone you like to support their business to get it through? Um, if people want to order books, they can order them through me. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, how do they get then in contact with you? They call you? They can or? call me or they can write me. Okay. Yeah, either way. And where do they get that information? I'll, I could. Um, uh, you know what I'll do? I'll, it's in I'd the book I than, wrote. Yeah. It, oh, it's in where? It's in the book that I wrote as a resource. I'm a resource. So mm-hmm. they can call me, 845-687-8938, mm-hmm. um, or they can write 468 County Route 2. Mm-hmm. Accord, New York, one two four zero four. But if they want to get it from Amazon or a local bookstore, I always encourage that too. Okay. Whatever works. Yep. Okay. Great. I like to just make sure that I, you know, recommend where people like to get it. You know, because the getting directly from the author always helps the author out a little more. <laughs> Absolutely, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, what about your formulations? Uh, do you say the Jeans Greens carries them or? 
Yeah, actually, you can order all the products that I make directly through me as well. Okay, great. They can write for a catalog? Exactly. Okay. So and they can, can. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So then do that then, folks. Just uh, write, write Dina for a catalog, and then you'll get one, and then you can even order the book through that, right? Absolutely. Okay. That's yeah. probably the easiest way. <laughs> yeah. um, that's great. Then people can see all the different things that you make. Because you don't have a website, and so that's why I wanted to mention that. So. Uh, um, and probably is for the best because it's quite a bit of work keeping up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Dina Falcone, thank you so much for spending time time with us today. We really appreciate it. And My privilege. We'd love thank to have you, you back sometime. Answer more questions if you don't mind. Absolutely. My pleasure. Oh, thanks so much, and uh, have a wonderful uh, holiday season there. So happy, All right. Happy solstice. <laughs> happy solstice, everyone. Herb Mentor Radio on HerbMentor.com is a production of LearningHerbs.com. Visit LearningHerbs.com for free herbal lessons including Herb Mentor News, Home Remedy Secrets, and Supermarket Herbalism. You'll also find the Herbal Medicine Making Kit and our board game Wildcraft. Herb Mentor Radio. Copyright LearningHerbs.com. All rights reserved. Thanks so much for listening.